Welcome to another episode of the My Creative District podcast, where we discuss how to channel your creative power into building the life you want, building the business you want, and making the impact you want. We believe creatives can live out a passionate and fulfilled life when they completely embrace their unique design and purpose. Want to turn your passion into profit? Stay tuned to hear from industry professionals, paradigm shifters, and world changers who have done just that and live it every day. This is the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. Hey guys, today I'm going to be interviewing Tommy Swanhouse and we'll be discussing how he literally created a marketing empire. But, but before we begin, I want to remind you that My Creative District and Worldwide Dance Challenge has just reopened enrollment into the Worldwide Dance Academy. If you know anyone that would be interested in learning how to dance from instructors literally across the world, have them visit WorldwideDanceChallenge.com forward slash academy to learn more. So, Tommy, again, super pumped to have you on the episode. I really appreciate uh, you giving us some of your time, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for, for those of uh, the audience that haven't had a chance to, to check you out or to know exactly what you do, just sum it up in a, in a brief paragraph. What is it exactly that you Sure. Do? So a uh, global entrepreneur. I've just become a three-time best-selling author for my new book, Amplify Your Marketing, Career, and Company. And basically, it's uh, my life journey and my entrepreneurial journey. And so it is done quite well so far. So that's awesome. But uh, the obstacles I've had to face, you know, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. And so the concept is that you can learn from my experience. You can take the best from it and you can see the worst and say, stay clear from that. So. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think as, as creatives, you know, the thing that we constantly battle is when we hit those low moments, sometimes we take that as a sign that, oh, I guess this wasn't meant for me. And uh, I think too many times creatives kind of misread those signs and realize that in order to get to success it's going to be a, a journey of a, a failure after failure after failure so yeah i'm super excited to learn more about that but let's back it up for a little bit of context and yeah. and you know what was it like growing up for you what was kind of like your upbringing like and what did what did it look for uh like in the day in the life of tommy growing up i'm the youngest of my family i have two older brothers i grew up in connecticut uh, i have a sister being the youngest you always get thrown into things. You get the short end of the stick a lot. My two brothers were filmmakers. They are filmmakers. They do TV now. They were always making films. And so I was the one who always had to be in the film because uh, <laughs> I was cheap labor. Um, I was the youngest, you know, multiple reasons. They could you know, tell me to do whatever. I had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of got me going with the creative side of it. And then my father, he used to be um, the in charge of the marketing of Pepsi. So he did, oh. uh, he changed the, the Pepsi can blue. There's two before it's a very simple logo and they wanted to update it to reach, you know, today's culture and all that. So, yeah. So he oversaw a budget of 300 to 500 million at Pepsi. Wow. He, he did also some other wild things such as uh, he was the first to kind of go to Russia for Pepsi and they exchanged Solzhenitsyn vodka for Pepsi-Cola. And the oh, reason wow. they did that was because the Russian ruble was worth nothing. So Pepsi said, we still want to do business with Russia, but how can we do it? You know, what's the best way? And so my dad was, uh, he was spearheaded that. So he spent a lot of time in Russia and we had a lot of Russian, they ran from diplomats to businessmen who would come over and it was interesting. So, but by being the youngest, every day we would have a candlelight dinner. My mom's like very 
sweet and, you know, could not have been a better uh, mother in terms of raising children. So we'd have candlelight dinner and uh, we'd have like music and it was just like super relaxing. And my dad would talk and he'd talk about what he was doing at work. And, you know, my brothers were talking, my sister. And, and so it was kind of, uh, you know, everyone was talking. I just sat there and listened and just took it all in. So, you know, as I began to start my own career, it all just became intuition. You know, it's stuff that I, I was doing that I didn't even know that I was doing, but it was because I was grained in my head. I didn't know any better. So that was kind of my upbringing. The age of 25 was when my career started taking off. I started off in TV and in the film industry. And at the age of 25, I sold my first TV show to TLC, The Learning Channel. And the show is about a wrestling family. It's like a modern day Brady Bunch. The mom came to the family with three kids. The dad came in the family with three kids. And they ran a wrestling league. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And they did everything from wrestle to write the storylines to clean the bathrooms, you name it. So they're this, you know, wild, bright family and sold 12 episodes on the spot to uh, TLC, which is kind of unheard of. So they bought the first season right away. Uh, and that was kind of the beginning of my real entrepreneurial launch, I guess. So I then went on to start a company with my brothers. And uh, it's called Swan House Media, after our last name. And so we did a lot of branding. Digital branding was kind of our thing. And so we, uh, we had clients such as Pepsi. But we also created, I uh, was declared the first success on the mobile phone for the brand Playboy. So Playboy came to us and they said, hey, we're dying. Like, we need something to show our stockholders. Like, we need something that appeals to the 18 to 25 female, male, non-nudity. And so we created a full series for them that took place on the mobile phone. And so back then, as I was saying, you didn't have streaming yet. Things didn't load so fast. So you had to, we had to shoot it differently. We had to study how to you know, the right camera angles, you know, the speed, to uh, all that. So it would have the best experience for the user. And that went on to win Men's Integrated Marketing Award. We beat out uh, Martha Stewart. So that kind of cracks me up, Playboy. <laughs> <laughs> but we beat out Unilever to all these great companies. Jay Leno talked about it in his opening dialogue about, you know, the, our series launching. It was nominated <laughs> for a People's Choice Award for the Streamies. And the Streamies are like the Oscars of the web. It did really well. And so that was very exciting. So. I then decided, being the youngest, I wanted to go start my next thing. Growing up and had a lot of internships and experience in the film world and friends with a lot of filmmakers, I didn't understand why there were so many great films out there that no one ever saw, that saw the, you know, the dark of a theater to the, any type of screen at all. It just made no sense to me. You, know, you had a couple of gatekeepers, such as Miramax to uh, you know, Universal Classics to Paramount Classics or whoever. And so I created a full streaming platform. I launched it in 2009. Within like a week, we were like the third, for the video player reason, we were the third largest streamer for our video player. And our video player was very good at the time. So Universal was one, Universal in Tokyo was two, and then us. And we had everything from music videos to behind the scenes of films, making of films, director interviews. Within two years, we were in 110 countries. Wow. Uh, streaming in 26 different languages. We're accessible on 200 plus devices. And so sometimes when you're, you're making these things, you see the end goal, right? You know, the end goal is for to have film distribution and to have the best user experience. You know, to get there, you have to do a lot of things. And so, but, you know, I didn't really think of what I was doing. I was just executing. And so, you know, the whole idea of streaming, you know, we were one of the first to, to really concentrate on that. We were years before 
uh, Netflix and Amazon. And so we also figured out, uh, one of the first to figure out how to bring video to your phone. So before you could only watch your video and it would take forever to download. So you could only watch short form and it was called pro progressive download and it slowly download, 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 download. And then there was no, if you went to a website, you could, there was no video, it was all flashed. So we were the, the first to kind of really bring that, as I like to say, to the palm of your hand. And so that was kind of the launch of the freestyle life. Um, and we had the support of filmmakers, uh, artists, to musicians, to, you know, we were a place where we could help them market them, launch their career, or, you know, just keep their career going. But also, we also offered uh, a place where they can monetize their stuff. Um, and so meaning that we had the ability to, you could either purchase a film, like Apple, like one film at a time, or you could sign up for a monthly subscription to the film and, and the filmmakers got a cut of what we got. So it was a way for them to, you know, to really market and, and to get their film out to a world audience and also be able to recoup some of their money. So that was exciting. So we then went on to start the, uh, a freestyle life film exhibition. And the whole idea is like, I love Sundance. I love Toronto. I love Cannes. I love all these festivals, right? But my life's busy, you know? I got a kid, I got, you know, I got a job, I can't take off, you know? Good luck trying to even get a hotel room in any of these places. So our concept was to bring the film festival experience to the palm of your hand, meaning that we were taking all the best of the film experience and doing it online and through streaming. So we had, you know, director, director interviews, we had uh, world premieres at set times and followed by the live Q&A director interviews. And so we, uh, the first year we were, ranked in the top 10 for internet traffic among film festivals. So we were in the same internet traffic space as uh, Cannes, Toronto, um, all the major players. And then we had voting and all that also too. But the, so the film that won the Golden Swan then went on to become a uh, shortlisted for best foreign film in the Oscars that year, which is quite cool. Wow, that's really cool. So, yeah, so that was the first year. The second year, it did so well, and you know now the filmmakers are talking about it. You know, I've grown the freestyle life so fast and so quick, and that I was putting all my money back into it, just trying to keep up. You know, my servers went up, my if you know the cost of marketing to all that. So I was, you know, I was worth at the time, I think forty million or thirty-five pounds, but I was dead broke. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I was worth all this money, but I had no money. You know, <laughs> back into the company. So the second year of the film festival, you know, we've we've upgraded. We got our servers going. You know, we got all this great publicity. We got movement, and so all of a sudden we start our film festival, and we get all these big submissions. Like you know, the culture of Argentina sending us a film. You know, uh, you know all these government-funded films. All these you know big production studios around the world. Next thing you know, it's time to put on the festival, and I have no money to put on the festival. <laughs> oh man. So, but I'm in a situation now, right? So I got all these big entities, you know, ready for this great festival. I leaned on one of my partners and I turned to him and he was my, my streaming partner. So my video player. And I said, uh, hey, so this is the situation. I don't have the money. These are the people we're dealing with. We have government entities. If this festival doesn't go on, not only do don't I look bad, but you look bad too. They got on board and they didn't ask any questions, helped funding, and that was that. And the festival went off and it was a huge hit. So that was, you know, an example of using a, a partnership, I guess. Mm -hmm. But so that was kind of uh, the freestyle life. I had that point, it was worth all this money. I had no money. I was married and decided we were going to have a kid. So I had a kid coming. And I was, uh, in order to get to where I was, 
terms of like the 110 countries, like figuring out how to do the phones, all that. Like I would sit up nights, you know, doing like getting into coding to whatever, like whatever needs to be done to figure it out. I would figure it out. You know, I loved it actually. You know, I loved, I loved the feeling of creating, connecting. I love the feeling of helping people. It took a toll on me. I realized, you know, I'm going to have the son. I grew up in a, a great environment, family environment. My dad was wonderful with me. Couldn't have been more supportive and, you know, I was involved in my sports, uh, whatever. Great, great father. And so uh, I wanted to be the same for my son. And I was not able to do that with my current lifestyle that I was living at the time. As he started to, uh, he was about to be born, I was like, oh man, I got to sell this company or like I either got to raise like five million bucks, like that. So I tried to sell it as fast as I could. And I had to reach out to all the major players. Uh, like Comcast, all those satellite to the, you know, the cables and had uh, one real interest from one of the major satellite companies. And so I reached out to the CEO and I was like, this is my situation. Like, I need to sell. Like, and he's like, okay, like come in tomorrow. You're going to meet with my business executives. And so came in and they could not have been better. They're like, I had two situations for you. Like we can buy your company. And the guy's like, you'd have to work for me. I was like, okay. He's like, I don't know if you really want to work for me though. He's like, so the other situation is like, we could fund you and fund your films and you could work for yourself and keep going. And I was like, either situation is great, you know? And so how things happen, deals go on and on and on and on and on yep. and on. Yep. So next thing you know, the deal's going on. I have a son. I don't know if this is really going to happen. I could keep going and going another year from now. I'd be in the same situation. You know, me and mom missing out on my son's, you know, growing up and all that. And yeah, so that's I, uh, I decided it was probably the hardest decision I made and it crushed me. Uh, <laughs> I shut down the freestyle light. And so I shut it down. I returned my money back to my investors and I moved to Little Rock, Arkansas. And I've been in Little Rock now since uh, I guess five years. And I absolutely love it. People are great. The culture is great. Everyone can be nicer, you know. Everything's a little slower than the North, which I love. But so I've been here for about five years. I have a son who's seven years old. I'm divorced. And that goes back to, I was a workaholic. And so the, with the freestyle life, I worked, as I said, nonstop. And I loved it though. It takes a toll on you, your body, but it takes a, a toll on if you're married or if you have a family to whatever. To like yep. Having your own company and launching it is, you have no idea that the amount of time that you have to put in in order for it to succeed. And so a lot of people say like failure, failure, failure is good. But when you put all your capital into your company because you believe in so much and that fails, you're like done. Like you could be on the street. Yep. So you're going to make that work. And that was kind of the situation I, I was in. And, uh, you know, my priorities, you know, once my son came along had changed, you know, I, I decided that it's gonna, he was going to be first family was going to be first. He was going to be the first. And then, you know, I'll figure out the work and all that. And so, so that was kind of, uh, that was one of my more tough decisions I've had to make in my life though, was shutting my company down that I loved. And what I loved about it was that we helped, we helped filmmakers, we helped musicians, we helped, what goes into film, you have so many different people, you know, you have 50 people that entail making up a film or same as like music, you know, there's so many different levels, so many different components. And so you're helping all these people and, you know, in terms of building awareness, in terms of marketing, helping them monetize, you know, it was tough. And so what I, what I love though, is like, we had a bunch of musicians that we helped launch their career. 
I like, I'd go to YouTube one day and they'd be on our YouTube channel. And then all of a sudden it'd come up like, this is now the rights of Sony. Yeah. And so Sony picks them up. <laughs> yeah. So we have that situation a lot, which is kind of cool. Or like Fanagram uh, is another, she's a female singer. Great. We helps, helps kind of get it going, I guess. And we feature a lot of her stuff. You know, next thing I'm listening to, I'm watching TV and her songs in Microsoft, you know, mm-hmm. the windows commercial. And I'm like, that is awesome. I mean, it sounds like you've, you've had a, a, a ton of experience. You've gone through a, a ton. What, it seems like you had a, an entrepreneurial upbringing, if you were, right? Your, your brothers were, were, you know, making films and sticking you in them. And, uh, you know, your dad, definitely a, a, driven, a driven person. How do you feel like that formed your expectations of what life was going to look like in the future? Because as we have so many people that, that want to do big things, but we're still taught the traditional means of, you know, uh, go, go get a good job. And, and, and yeah. you know, the creative lifestyle is the risky option, right? But yeah. how do you feel like your upbringing kind of set you up to be successful later on in the entrepreneurial space? So I decided, and I am very creative, but I decided that my expertise, you know, creative is not just painting. It's not, you know, like what a lot of people think. Creative is coming yeah. up with an idea and executing it. You know, that, that's a form of creativity. Of, Absolutely. You know, like what I, you know, normal to bring film to your, the palm of your hand. Like you have to be creative to, to put those pieces together. But being the youngest, though, it definitely helps took all that in. But, you know, from an early age, I was 12 or 13. I had my own landscaping company called Weed Wizards. Kids working together for a weed-free future. There we go. There <laughs> we go. Portion of the profits turned into the New Canada Cares anti-drug organization. And so we picked weeds, you know, because there was no one there. You had the landscaping companies and the mowed lawns, but no one picked weeds. Mm. And so we came in and we picked the weeds. And go. so it was a market that was untapped, you know. So I started that early and that was kind of like the beginning of it. I've always played sports and sports taught me at a young age that, you know, the power of being in the media. And so I was always like in the, in the paper for hockey or lacrosse or, you know, our team and starting at like a super early age. And so, but positively in the media. Mm-hmm. So that kind of set my mind thought of, uh, you know, the power of getting out in front of people and getting your, you know, your name and your face is so powerful. And that's what I try to do now with my, the companies that I represent, you know, I'm huge into, you know, doing the press and publicity and all that. And, and you know, getting yourself out there before instead of after an event. Yeah. Yeah. So, but by being the youngest, I'm still my own person. Uh, you know, I, I took the best of those guys, my dad, my brother, my sister, um, my mom, and I put it into me. You know, and, that, and that's the, the kind of the concepts that I was going after with my book of, of someone. You could read my book and you could say, oh, he did this well. I could do that this way. Or this didn't work out for him. I'm going to stay away from that. So I, I grew up, though, going back to what you were saying, uh, I grew up in a great, like, family environment. I was very, very fortunate. But we always like, you know, I grew up in a family environment that we always had, you know, someone from, you know, New York, like living with us, like, so they could have better education. And my parents were very like about giving back and, you know, helping. And so that was, that was, you know, awesome. So I love that. I believe now in giving back. I believe in helping other people. Um, And I think that goes back to my childhood and how I was brought up. Um, I believe in family, although, you know, I'm divorced, I have my son, like, you know, I would like to, you know, get married again someday. And, but so, you know, I grew up in that environment. That's what I saw. That's kind of what I know. And that's, that's what I liked. 
And I think what one of the things too that you you bring up that's super important is you had a an example through your father, through your you know your brothers, but you are your own person. And I think as creatives, we we constantly battle this. They did it this way, so I have to, or it's been done this way, so that's the path I have to go on. We have a tendency to not allow ourselves to think outside the box even though we don't want to be put in the box <laughs> yeah we often want to think inside the box right so how do you feel like you really learned the value of your unique perspective even though you know your brothers did it this way your dad did it this way you had some good examples at what point did you realize okay that's how they did it but that's not how i have to do it and here's why i shouldn't do it this way because because of my design and how I see things, I think I can add value to, you know, a situation because of my unique perspective. When did you like learn that? So I was kind of the, the mix of the two. So I, I got the business, my dad, the creativity, my brothers, but I think a lot of it goes back to, I always played sports, as I said, and so I'm five, nine, but I will, I played hockey and I would skate. I'm not afraid to skate full speed into someone if you're six, four or whatever. Sometimes they would go down. A lot of times I would go down, you know, <laughs> I've had five concussions, you know, but the, my mentality always as a kid has been, I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to go full speed. And, you know, if I knock you down, whatever, if I get knocked down, I'm going to back up. And so I think that's what has driven me to be so successful is that I'm not afraid to reach out to a CEO of some Fortune 500 company. As a kid, like I'd always email, go to the top. If I had needed something, I'd go to the CEO because then the CEO is going to have to sign off on what you want anyway. So just kind of this mentality, putting your head down and keep going. And I guess being aggressive though, you know, like mm -hmm. not being afraid to, to get in there. You, you know, you talked about you running this company and you, <laughs> on paper, it looked really good, right? On paper, you are worth all this money and you're sitting here <laughs> exactly. going, but I'm broke, right? <laughs> you know, so again, as creatives, we get to this point in our, in our journey and it's not working out the way that we think it should. So therefore we read it as a sign of, well, maybe this just isn't for me. What was the, the drive for you that, that kept you going beyond the, okay, I'm broke and now I'm running into this problem. I don't have time for my family. Uh, I don't have money. I'm broke. You know, some people would have just folded it and probably used their resume to go get them a cushy job somewhere or whatever the deal is, but you pushed through the difficult. What was it that pushed you to get past all that mess? It was the idea of, it was so innovative and some people like, most people didn't get really what I was fully trying to do, but then I had some people that got it. And those were the people like, uh, that really kind of kept me going. Like I had asked to speak at a global entrepreneurship week at the number one place in the U S and the first person they asked was uh, Bushnell, the guy who created Atari. The uh -huh. second guy was Steve Wozniak, the number two guy at Apple. Yep. Those guys were busy. So they asked me to talk about the future of media and entertainment. And they said, wow. that's what I was doing. So it was like things like that. That was like the positive reinforcement that kept me going. So that kind of kept me going and motivated. And, you know, you see the, the end line, you see these people succeed. You read in the paper of, of these, you know, companies selling for these huge amounts and you know, you're worth a lot. Yep. You know, just you got to get someone else to believe that you're worth a lot and you're going to pay for it. Always have the mentality that I'm either going to raise significant capital, five plus million, or I'm going to sell. And so that's what kept me going. And, I, and this is the one thing that, that I learned was that you need to be able to, your business needs to be able to operate on its own. Even if you're going to sell, that deal is going to take two to, two, you know, one to two years minimum. 
Mm-hmm. So your company's got to be able to operate on its own. So, you know, let's say that deal never goes through, you're still fine. Yeah. You know, I was banking so much on making these, the sell, amazing, you know, the, the huge investment to all that. That's kind of what I, I, I walked away with it was that, you know, to really be successful, you know, I think you have to have your priorities straight. Yep. Meaning if it's family, if it's work, if it's whatever, it's career, you know, success, I think you have to define those of what you want in life before you kind of really put your head down or taking the next step in your life. And so, you know, going back to what I was saying, when I started all this, my entrepreneurial career started when I was 25. I could do all this stuff at 25 because I didn't have a family at the time. I had, you know, ex- excess cash to fund or extra cash to fund all my companies. Um, and so it made sense. I could work all night. Like I could do, I could put my heart and soul into it, you know, cause it was me as following my dream and, but then when my family came along, I said, you know, my priorities changed. Mm-hmm. At that point, maybe it was probably too late, you know. You know, here I am, I'm single, you know, I can see my kid here and there. You know, so I kind of, that's one of the things I've really, I don't know, it eats me. You know, like that's probably one of my biggest regrets is not, you know, being able to, you know, make that work. You know, yeah. I felt like I've been able to make so much work with business and all that. And then it comes to my personal life and it comes to, having a family like you know i failed that like my first attempt like Mm -hmm. how we interpret stuff is so vitally important to what we do next right so for instance so many times even in my own life i would i would say okay because this failed that means that i'm not meant to do this or it's not going to work out for me where some people will take that same failure same circumstance and say okay well that was that's unfortunate now I at least understand how I can't do it. So I know how to do it right the next time. Right. And I, yeah. I, I think it's, it's just how we interpret it. So what have you learned about failure on your journey, doing so many projects, doing so many different launches with different ideas? What would you encourage those that, that are listening to this right now, how they should interpret failure? I walk away with it as I look at like, okay, so when I was like the happiest, like, I had freestyle life going and, you know, I had no money, but what I loved about it was helping people. Right. And I loved the creativity of building this whole infrastructure, this network of, you know, and launching and being one of the best in the world and all that. So those are the two things I walked away with. It was that I loved to be creative and help people. And I love doing, you know, being in the forefront of technology. That's what I loved about my, you know, my prior job, or whatever, my prior company. How can I use those three things to go on, to apply this to a different situation. You know, now I have my own marketing company and I help companies, you know, and you know, I'm one of the top in social media for marketing and advertising. I'm still feel like I'm doing the technology, you know, the connecting, the creative to all that. And so those are the three things I walked away is I took away what I, what I really liked about what I was doing and applied those to a different situation. And an example, and this is just what I read online. So let me, this might apply to you, but I think it is you. So you used to be a dancer, all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. What you're great at is being on stage. You're able to read people and you can hold their attention. They can get behind you. They love that, right? And you love that feeling. You're good at it. Yep. So what'd you do next? You went on to be a motivational speaker. Because yep. you love, you can still do that same thing of holding people's attention and getting them behind you. Yep. So you're applying your skills differently, but you're yep. still getting that same satisfaction. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're still on stage, but you're just doing something different. So it's, it's all about, it's all about pivoting. It's all about understanding where, where you can pivot. And, and 
I've definitely seen that, you know, even I'm in my own journey, like you said, going from dancer to motivational speaker, getting a record deal and that failing. And then, you know, transitioning on to what we're doing with worldwide dance challenge and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely, uh, it's definitely interpret how we interpret things set us up for what we do next. Right. And, and so yeah. that, that, that leads me to my next question is an important thing that I think most creatives lose sight on is understanding mindset and personal growth and development versus skill set alone. Right. I think for when I was, when I was growing up in the, or when I was dancing and I, all I had was I wanted to dance with Justin Timberlake and Usher and all these guys, it was dance, 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 dance. Cause I wanted to get better in my skill set. Yeah. But I never understood the value of mindset. So what is your journey um, taught you about the value of mindset and how do you use it now? So I've always like, now I want to go down in history as one of the best marketing people like ever. That's like what my mindset has been and is now. And so how am I going to get there? I got to get my skills better. So I'm constantly learning. I'm teaching myself. You know, I'm a huge believer in uh, self-education practice. Like put yourself to use. Like, like I understand I can look at the back of a website and if it's not performing well, I can tell you why it's not working well. I'm not a coder, right. but I understand the code, you know, like, yeah. and so, you know, I feel like you need to, you know, going back to your dance example, like you need to know every move, how to perfect it per perfectly. But then you also have to have that, that bigger goal of what you want. Like Puff Daddy, he was a dancer, right? You know, but he had that goal of he wanted to be a singer, you know? And now he's just like a media mogul. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so, you know, I think you just have to keep that the bigger vision in your head as you go throughout things yeah. um, of what you really want in life. Yeah. You run a, a marketing company you have your your book amplify your marketing career and company you've done you've written other books when it comes to marketing yourself right and it comes to you know getting ideas out there so it's great to have ideas but if nobody knows about it it's not, it's not valuable right so how does somebody go from idea to getting people bought into that idea oh yes that's a great question how i kind of got to where i am i used so I've always like, I love marketing, right? So, but how can I get to the top the fastest? And so I use big names. I marketed big names. Like with the freestyle life, I had Peter Gabriel. So I was using Peter Gabriel's name and marketing him to come to my platform, you know, and all these different artists to all that. And so I, my whole thing then was, it's all about the artists. It's not about me. It's about the artists. I'm just enabling the artists. I built a platform for them to market, to do their own marketing from, for me to market, you name it. But now as I moved into, you know, being the forefront of the company, I've transitioned into, you know, being the person in the media. And just what you said, if, if, you know, you can have the best ideas, but if no one knows about them, what's the point, you know? Right. Yep. So I believe in marketing everything I do, any partnership, any, you know, any new news, in my company, you know, and I built a, you know, probably about half a million following or friends, whatever that I put this stuff out to. But there, you know, a lot of them are decision makers. And so that can amplify to bigger things. But so, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, I, like, I believe in being in the forefront. So and always, you know, brand awareness. So I'm a brand now. I've turned myself into a brand. And so whatever creative medium that they, they, they get involved in, right? Content creator. Like what are some of the first steps that you see creatives missing out on when it comes to marketing themselves and, and their ideas? So a lot of people, right? They're good at one thing. 
So they're good at, I'm good at making films. I'm a great graphic artist. But the world's changed now. In order to succeed, you have to be able to do the graphic art, you have to be able to do the marketing, you have to do the, you know, the filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing it, you have to understand all of it. So you make sure the person doing it is doing it right. That's kind of what I believe in, is that you have to know all the different roles to successfully launch your brand. You know, these artists starting out, like filmmakers to YouTube people to all that, you know. Know, you know, know all the different roles. Because in order to succeed, to get your idea out there, you might be a great filmmaker, but you got to market that. You got to get people to come see, you know, your content. It's, you know, it's changed. Kind of the whole, all of the industries, I think, have changed. You know, the idea of signing a music record deal with, like, Universal and just, like, sitting back, like, you know, and having them do all the marketing, like, you know, it doesn't really exist. And if it does, like, they don't really do, you know, you feel like you could do a better job or, you know you know, you got to get out there also, you know, you got to put yourself in there. So I think that's key is, is being able to do all the different components, or if you don't do the components, getting the right people to do the components. But it goes back to you understanding how to do that correctly. So my question too, it sounds like when you were on your journey, like you did a good job of being able to tap into other people that had resources or, you know, had some of the abilities. So you're talking about, you know, being aware of all these different things, but you know, you get to a point where you don't do everything, you have to lean on other people. So how were you able to get people around your idea so that you had uh, other people with resources helping you create your idea into something big? A lot of know-how and who you know. Everyone's got a dream, right? How can you help that person succeed with a dream? Yep. So when I launched the Freestyle Life, one of my best friends is an amazing photographer. He went on the road with the Strokes, the band The Strokes. And so he's got all this great photography, the strokes on the road, like, and so I put on an exhibition for him at my mm. launch of my party and premiered like all these great photos and who shows up the strokes. Now I get the strokes of my party, you know, it's so now marketing that I have the strokes of my party and you know, New York times is interested in that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So just kind of one thing builds off of another. I believe everyone has something to offer. It's just, you have to find what that is mm-hmm. and get to it. Everyone has something to offer. I believe. Yeah. So if it's, you know, even if it's just straight up hard work, you know, you're still offering something, you know, like, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of that. I I think, you know, you, you said every, everybody has something to offer. And I think one of the things that I'm a big John Maxwell fan and, you know, he says, if you want to do big things, you can, you know, you can do big things on your own, but if you want to do great things, you got to do great things as a team. And so I'm a big proponent of, of finding other people to, to come alongside you. You know, Zig Ziglar says, if you want to, you know, if you want to get something that you want, help enough other people get what they want and you'll get what you want. Understanding what is it that every single person wants and see how what you have to offer helps them get there. And that's huge. And I think one of the things that I, I believe that creatives miss out on a lot is there too many of them are trying to go at it alone and they think they have to go at it alone. And, uh, and they miss out because of it. No, and going back to what uh, you're saying, like if you're a band, you know, you got your band going, right? But you, mm-hmm. I'm sure you got a friend who works in marketing in some digital firm, you know, that like he wants to get, you know, he wants to make his career better. So right. he could take the chance on you, you know, start marketing you um, and get the, you know, eventually maybe get the firm involved to whatever. Like, yeah, you got to reach out to the, you know, different people. And, you know, a lot of times when people will do things, if they can see their, it helping their career. And so if you can help them understand that and them seeing that, I think it's key. You've uh, obviously had a, a successful uh, career in, in launching ideas and, and, and 
turning them into uh, a reality. So what's, you know, what's, what's coming up the pipe for you? What, what are, what are some of the new things that you got working on right now? So uh, I have an audiobook that I'm about to launch. It got rejected from, <laughs> so there's like a gatekeeper. Uh, okay. ACS, right? And they were in charge of like uh, iTunes, Apple, and Audible. And uh, there's a quality assurance and uh, my narrator that I used first. I didn't pass the test. Didn't pass so, the test. <laughs> so, so I had to recut it and all that. So, <laughs> so I'm launching this audio book now, uh, which I'm really excited about. You know, a lot of times with a book, for example, a book is declared successful if it reaches a thousand books sold. And the chances of reaching that are 0.025%. So, and I've been, uh, I have a one website that's, I'm, I have a thousand downloads in my book a day about. It's doing quite well. Um, and so I'm really excited for my audiobook to launch that because I feel like today's people, you know, you're on the go. I think, you know, podcasts or whatever, like people are used to like listening and, you know, instead of reading or whatever or being in the car, you know. So, excited for that and then so i also am about to in the process of starting uh it's called the tommy swanhouse university and it's all about teaching basic social media marketing to people saw that on your instagram yeah yeah exactly so you might have a side hustle you might uh have a current job that you need to know more about you have you just want to know this maybe just as a whole of your own personal so um you know my first one that i have i've filmed um and i'm still building the platform i'm using the same platform that uh like tony robbins used grant cardone mm -hmm. so it's you know it's a good platform so but i'm still building that but i have the force the first course filmed and that and that is social media 101 basics mm -hmm. you know people pretend like they understand social media because they might hear the words or whatever but when it comes down to you actually doing it that's a whole different story yeah so it, it's like the basic walkthrough this is what this is this this is how we can amplify it. This is how we can make good content. And it's not some astronomical fee that I'm, I'm looking to charge. My goal is to you know, reach the mass. Where can people find your, your, your books and, and where to download those and if they want to be able to tap into that? You can Google just Tommy Swinehouse or one of my book's names. That's kind of my whole thing is controlling the Google. My book, Amplify Your Marketing Career and Company, has a website called Amplify Your Marketing Career and Company. But if you put just in the Google Tommy Swanhouse book, uh, all the stuff will come up. And then the same as the university, once I, I formally launch that, that'll have the same. You'll just be able to put Tommy Swanhouse school, it'll come up. Yeah, and we'll make sure and put that in the show notes so that people can uh, easily find that. Um, That'd be awesome. So, so we'll go ahead and do that. But hey, listen, man, um, it's been a pleasure getting to chat with you. Pleasure getting to uh, have this conversation with you. And I think, you know, our listeners are going to be able to take a lot of value out of today's podcast so i really appreciate it and again if they want to just look you up on social media uh where's the best place to connect okay so uh so instagram is uh the best place and my instagram is tommy swanels or no it's instagram.com tommy swanels yep and so it's the german spelling of swanels so it's uh s-w-a-n-h-a-u-s yes Yes, it's got that it's got that German behind it for sure. Exactly. I'm very prompt. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I will uh, we'll make sure and put that as well in the show notes to make sure that people can find you easier. But uh, once again, man, I really appreciate your time, and uh, just thanks for jumping on. Hey, thanks for having me. That's fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of the My Creative District podcast with your host Jesse Paul Smith. 
Here, we turn your passion into profit. Follow us on Facebook and stay tuned for another episode of the My Creative District podcast.